Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, another fine day in lovely downtown Concord. Well, actually, it's raining right now, but it's still fine. Pretty pretty fine outside. Every day alive is another fine day, my book. That's right. That's all, all it takes to make it a fine day. Of course, the day can turn shitty, you know, at any time. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, that's just a fact. Um, you got any travel coming up, John? No, no. I finally concluded my travel for the current year. Yeah. Just got back from um, Mexicali, Mexico. Uh, mm. We had their annual uh, Copa uh, Copa Baja or uh, Mexicali Beer Cup, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was a competition. Uh, just for the state of Baja uh, craft brewers. And so a lot of fine beers, a lot of good times. Um, met some new met some new friends um, from different uh, craft breweries here in the United States mm-hmm. that were invited down to help judge. And uh, yeah, excellent time. Nice. If you're up around uh, my neck of the woods for uh, the holidays, you should uh, we should get together and Go hit hit some yeah. uh, local breweries. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, I'll definitely more. be up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss. Uh, <clears throat> we are continuing our our series on uh, practical barrel aging and all yeah. The, yeah. the elements that go in in that. And we were, I know we we're going to talk about wood. And you know, anytime I was talking about wood, especially hardwood, uh, just yeah. reminds me. Of uh, John Blickman, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. The guys, I mean, normally you, when you think of John, you think of, you know, software. Well, or stainless steel, perhaps. True. True. No, but he's like a like a mighty oak. That's right. Uh, he yeah. is. He is. Uh, you know, hard, but uh, but, uh, but bendable. Bendable. Versatile. Versatile. Right. Can be cut down and used for many things. Mm-hmm. We could, you know, we could we could chop John up and you know make yeah. like a soup bowl out of a skull and you know <laughs> cut him down, out of his you fingers. know, reduce him to dust. Right, right. Um. <laughs> How much mineral value do you think we'd get out of uh, John Blickman's corpse? Well, you know, I'd I'd say you'd definitely get a, a pound or two. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just a just a, a dollar dollar wise. Don't they have that thing where they uh, they they have the dollar value of a human body? Oh, you know, I haven't looked into that. They, they've uh, yeah, and it, it ends up being like thirteen bucks or something. I don't know. 
Eight bucks. <laughs> I thought organs were valuable. Well, no, they're talking about once you reduce it down to its components like, uh, you know, calcium, calcium magnesium, uh, you know. I see. So 13 bucks worth of a multivitamin? Yes, 13 Got it. Yeah. About one, yeah. one, one j- little uh, jar of Flintstones wow. chewables. What's the point of it all, man? <laughs> And associated mercury amalgams, yes. Yes, depending on how much fish you've eaten. I imagine, you know, I could imagine Blickman being worth closer to like 20 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. One, because uh, I assume he's, you know, inhaled a lot of uh, very volatile metals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and probably has probably That's eaten fair. a few. Yeah. He's probably had a few pieces left in him when he when he lops off like a finger you know, I'm sure there's yeah, some metal yeah. shard there, probably. You know, some metal residue. So, you know, you're picking up, you're picking up uh, some extra. Ooh, value. titanium. <laughs> exactly. He, he may actually have some titanium parts in him. Some little bit of bionic stuff going on. Mm. I would not be surprised if he has not been, you know, uh, engineering stuff at, late at night and, uh, yeah. you know, cutting cutting parts uh, off of him and replacing him with, uh, you know. Bionic, uh, bionic stuff. Cybernetic enhancement. Yeah, exactly. See, I, th- I think I'm, I'm pretty. I at first I thought, oh, it's just getting round, but now I'm pretty certain. This is <laughs> this is a fact. This is a fact. Well, <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to throw them under an X-ray and look sometime. Right. I, that's this is why you cannot go through the uh, metal detector at the airport. There's mm-hmm. the reason why. Yeah. And you thought it was something else. But I'll tell you what, uh, John Blickman is a brilliant guy. And I imagine quite capable of all the things we've just said. Uh, But he uses his powers to make great brewing equipment. Brewing equipment that uh, is some of the best, or the best, and with amazing engineering enhancements. He's altered the way that brewing is done and the expectation of home brewers as to how easy something is or how possible something is. Uh, he's really enhanced it. Things from like, you know, the beer gun and the and the uh, the pumps and the and the and the brew stands and just, you know, controllers just, and controllers yeah. just genius uh, everywhere every way it goes. And uh, he pays for the show, so you don't have to. So I would suggest, highly suggest you check out uh, uh, the website, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. And, uh, and while you're there, send, uh, send John a, an email, uh, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell him how much you appreciate that he pays for the show, so you don't have to. All right. Um, we were talking woods. Uh, we were just about to talk about woods. We had been talking about uh, all the aspects of barrel aging. Um, you know, we were talking about barrel alternatives. We've been talking about, you know, sourcing barrels. We've been talking about, uh, you know, barrel types, flavor development, uh, objectives of barrel aging. We've been talking about all that, and you can get those in the in the previous two shows, which will be available for download for free because uh, John Blickman has paid for them. Uh, but now we want to talk specifically about types of woods um you know the the wood that most people are familiar with john would be oak you know um lots of oak lots of oak it's a very common thing it's because it's been used it's uh got a real tight grain uh which does a couple of things one it helps hold in liquid but two it uh uh, also occludes uh oxygen it keeps the oxygen out um to some extent um 
oxygen will pass through i'm pretty sure every type of wood it's just a matter of how long it takes to permeate the wood and reach your your liquid inside right 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 um so on the oak side there's american white oak um generally comes from the eastern usa there's a french oak that comes from various areas of france there's uh, an east european oak which people uh, say hungarian oak Um, and there might be some others Uh, but generally uh, you know what happens is these these oaks grown uh, in these different areas they take on different characteristics so you can get different flavor developments from them and you can also get uh, different porosity and different, um, uh, you know, uh, the transition of air into the the liquid that you're you're aging, and depending on what you're trying to do, you could want more or less air coming through, right? Uh, oxygen right. getting getting to your your liquid. So, for example, uh, when you're doing sours, that oxygen is utilized and and you will develop certain flavors uh, from the amount of oxygen that comes in, how fast it comes in, what temperature you're at, what organisms you have in there. So this is the reason why, you know, really small containers with a lot of surface area to liquid ratio are a bad idea because you get a lot more oxygen in there. You Generally, you want to minimize the amount of oxygen. Some oxygen is good, but a lot of oxygen is bad. Uh, yeah. you can you can age like a, a Brett beer in stainless. It takes time, but you can actually develop a nice Brett flavor. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same as if you do it um, and you get some minimal oxygen coming in you know, over time. Um, and the bacteria, all this will be affected by the amount of oxygen. It's one of the reasons I they use. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Jamil, is it fair to say that the more oxygen you have coming in the barrel, the more acidic the beer tends to be? Um, that is, oxygen promotes the development of acidity depending on the bugs and bread that you're using? I, I would say generally that could be true. Um because yeah, one of the yeah. reasons details that, involved, but right? Yeah. You will get more activity from some of the organisms with more oxygen, mm-hmm. and that will affect it. You can encourage certain organisms that tend to be more sour. If you have any sort of uh, acetic uh, acetobacter or something like that in there, and they get oxygen, man, you're off to the races, and you'll just yeah. get you know a vinegar uh, tasting tasting product. But one of the things that they do in order to limit the amount of oxygen going in is also to change the ratio of surface area to liquid and this is very important um you know when they do those large fooders what they've done is reduce the amount of surface area uh the ratio of the the surface area that's allowing the oxygen in to the amount of liquid and so just by changing that you've reduced your total amount of oxygen coming in if you took that fooder and shrank it down to like a you know a, a, a 300-gallon fooder or a 3,000-gallon fooder down to a one-gallon, your amount of oxygen coming in is, is massive in comparison, even if it was the same woods. So you have, right. to, you have to go bigger on these. And I know it's tough for home brewers to do you know, a large-sized barrel, but I think it's worth 
doing that and taking your time filling you could fill it over the course of you know a month or two that's not a problem it's you know more important that over the the course of the year or two years that you're taking your time in um, developing that one of the things i did home brewing was i would take a uh, glass carboy and put a or a plastic carboy and put a uh, one of those rubber caps on the top. Uh, it's kind of like a soft plastic. They're orange like, and yellow and those colors. Yeah, yeah. And those leak uh, air as well. But it's such a small surface area to the larger volume of liquid that it was just about right. And I always, I always found good results with that. I could leave something in there for a year, and it would develop uh, as, as I was hoping. Um, and, you know, this, one of the things we're talking about is uh, wood grain density, and that is going to you know, affect your, your, your uh, oxygen uh, interaction. One of the things I, was talking, I kind of got sidetracked by sours, but if you're dealing with other uh, liquids, if you're trying to age a... Uh, a whiskey or something like that, or a bourbon, and um, you have uh, uh, you know a desire for a different kind of flavor, you can do that in different kinds of oaks, and you don't have to worry so much about uh, oxygen getting in. Oxygen again is an important part of that; uh, will affect it, but not uh, it's not as critical to get uh, a low oxygen. Uh, environment as it is really kind of on the sours and uh, even if you're doing sours you can mix um, at heretic we've got uh, you know french we've got hungarian we've got mostly american oak but um, we like some of the flavors that we get from different speeds of oxygen ingress and so we will um, uh, you know taste them and blend them uh, based on uh, you know the the different barrels yeah yeah so the, going back to the to the uh, types of oak, I mean, um, should we review kind of what what you know French, American, Hungarian, uh, what characters we're typically getting from these and how they differ from each other? Uh, you know, it, it really depends on the wood and you know some of the barrel makers and some of the the products and also how they're toasted. Uh, yeah, you know, you're going to get more vanilla, pointer. more more caramel, more. Um, so toasting is is an important thing. Uh, you know, when they when they do light toasting, um, which they tend to do uh, sometimes for for wines, tend to be you know a light or medium toast or something like that. They they toast it. Um, you will get more of the vanilla, the caramel, the clove. When they go medium, you start get some cedar, roast nuts, vanilla, coffee. Uh, when they go heavy toast, you'll get coffee, charcoal, ginger, nutmeg, toasted bread. But there's also um, you know char levels. So when they're dealing in wines, they tend to go toast. When they're dealing in spirits, they go char. And char meaning they've turned the inside of that barrel into charcoal. Um, it's an amazing process where they have this giant burner that slides into the the barrel and the barrel rotates and they'll start off with uh, a little bit of heat just to to dry out the wood uh, to drive off some of the moisture and then they'll crank it up to start to to toast it and and then finally they will just burn the holy living hell out of this thing (laughs) and you can hear the crackling of the wood 
it's like a you know it's it, and it's it's snapping and crackling as as the interior of the barrel is uh, Burning, know, breaking yeah. breaking into little chunks of charcoal and <clears throat> if you've ever emptied like a spirits barrel like a bourbon barrel or something like that you get this huge amount of char that comes out and uh, little little chunks of charcoal that comes out. Uh, these have you know broken loose of the barrel over time, uh, but you know initially they kind of it kind of sticks to the side. It's all in there, but it's delicate. Um, so there's different char levels. Uh, generally, they number them like one, two, three, four, five. Most spirits barrels they do like a three or a four. Um, I had some done recently, and I did something in between a three and a four. You know, they'll just they'll they'll run one for you, whatever program. They'll program the German machine to uh, you know burn it a certain way, and then they'll go, "How do you like it?" And you're like, "Good," and then they'll run the rest <laughs> of them for you. Um, or you can specify it, of course, uh, you know, if you're not next to one of these barrel places. Um, <clears throat> and the the different amount of char levels again, you know, like you would think with uh, you know the toast levels will impart different flavors because there's the charcoal on the front and then underneath is kind of toasted and less toasted amounts of wood and how deep it goes into there and the amount of charcoal there is some uh, i guess purification almost some removal of certain compounds from the charcoal it's one of the reasons that people pass uh spirits like vodka and stuff through uh charcoal filters uh, so some of that happens as well. I don't know how much of that is is really critical to the to the spirits. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to put a beer in one of those barrels new. Um, a lot of times when people do beer into barrels and they're new barrels, they tend to use uh, toasted. So I'd be curious. Uh, I've never done uh, into a new char barrel. A char barrel, yeah. Um, yeah. All the char barrels that have put beer in have been used, you know, and they've they've had spirits in them. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder. I wonder how that would work out. Well, you know, it may reduce some of the fusels or solvent character if you've got that going on in a beer. Mm-hmm. Be one way to correct right. uh, a beer that had been a little bit. I would. Know, too I would hot. think it needs a really big beer. Yeah, you know, and you'd, it maybe a really huge stout into into something like this. I have I have a couple of barrels that we haven't used yet. I wonder if we should fill them up with some beer. Okay, mm. Mm. could be a good idea. Um, <clears throat> and then there's there's other woods, of course. Like we've been talking mainly about oak, but I've seen um, a lot more uh, beers being done with things like you know uh, Spanish cedar or something like that or a bunch of different things uh you know hickory maple redwood uh, yeah, walnut, yeah those cherry, chestnut cedar uh cedar is one of those you know more aromatic ones when these other ones uh, not so much i'd be curious as to you know the effect i've i've tried some stuff in the past and uh you know you can definitely taste you know the character of the different woods so it's not impossible to do that um and then I remember I was at, uh, what is it, the place in uh, uh, Minnesota, the second oldest brewery in the, in the United States. Um, oh, that's um, uh, New Ulm, New Ulm uh, Minnesota. Right. That would be August so Shell. Right, uh, August Shell. I was there uh, before um, 
they had set up their uh, um, they where they, they were working on setting up the old fooders that they had. And right, those were made, the Berliner license. Those were made of spruce. Oh yes, I believe they were made of spruce. So <clears throat> you know, it could be made of anything, and you know, especially once the flavor of the wood is pretty much gone, you know. People make a big deal about wine barrels and white wine or red wine. And sure, when they're just first off of the wine, you can get some of that wine flavor. Um, but if you're also talking about neutral barrels that have all the flavor stripped out of them over time, um, you, d- you don't get much oak. There's really not any oak character that comes across. You can have these things refurbished, strip them out, and, and go again. But you're not going to get a ton of... Um, wood flavor in there so um you know the wood flavor is limited and that's that's one of the things but you know if you use some fresh wood chips bricks blocks uh, sticks whatever it might be so uh let's take a short break when we come back we'll, we'll get more into uh, uh the whole maintenance of a barrel and uh all the things you need to do to keep them tight and tasty uh right after this Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature March pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. And I want to tell you about a sweet AHA deal going on right now. Whether you're a member or not, the AHA has a great offer on renewals or new memberships. You use the promo code BN2018 between now and the end of the year. And... uh, 2018. That's right, Beef. 2018. Is that still the code? Shrug. <laughs> we can't. We can't get a new code around here. I guess not. Man, we're like chop liver. Uh, all right. So you use promo code BN twenty eight. BN two thousand five. Right now, and the end. So just try different numbers and see what happens. <laughs> and uh, in the end of the year, and for any new or renewal membership through the Brewing Network, you will receive a free copy of both Wild Brews and Farmhouse Ales. That's two books. That's like uh, the whole value of the uh, that's their whole cost of your membership right there. Just click on the Join AHA link on the left side, navigation of the brewingnetwork.com website, and use coupon code BN2018 at checkout. Uh, so go to the Brewing Network site, 
find the uh, navigate over to the AHA logo on the left and uh, click on that bad boy and use the coupon code uh, BN2018. I can imagine somebody trying that and then it doesn't work, and they contact the AHA and they're like, "Hey, I tried BN BN twenty eighteen, didn't work," and they're like, "Yeah, well, that's last year, dude. What's the matter with you?" (laughs) And then maybe it'll somehow then get from the AHA back to Justin, right? Or they'll be this like, "It's a promo for twenty twenty. Why are you using it?" It's like, okay, I tried 2018, I tried 2019, 2020. I think you can just go back, start with 20, start with 2021, and then just <laughs> work, work your way backwards. And I think, you know, once you get back into like the 1980s, I think you're you're probably you're probably exhausted. You don't have to go much further than that. I think I think you're good. Look, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that code's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> But go to the AHA for all your AHA needs. There you go. That's the Bring Network bringing you... Bevo uh, saves the day. Definitive information on uh, how to get your discounts. Yeah, hey, uh, I do what I can. Textbook BN. It's, it's got to be 2018 or 2019. It's, oh, it, I imagine it's it's still... It's like the same code, never changed. It just should be BN Army. And why are we messing right. with BN Army? Come on, man. Why are we trying to get uh, all sorts of different Cody kind of things? You can try BN Army, too. I would try a <laughs> try number it. of things. Anything that we've ever said as a code, I think you should just try and see what you get. Biscuit. Maybe maybe you get like, you know, you get like a Bruin with Charlie kind of rat pad or something. Yeah, rat pad. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I think that that could be, you know, some good stuff right there. All right. <clears throat> uh, barrel maintenance. Oh, we're talking about maintenance. We're talking about things like, um, you know, sealing the barrels, cleaning them, storing them, reconditioning them, uh, all that, all that work that needs to happen to keep a, a barrel in good shape. Um, uh, for example, barrel sealing. Uh, I w- I've been told by people who make barrels, they say, "Look, doesn't matter how much the thing dries out. Eventually, you can swell it back to seal up." It's you know as long as you haven't damaged the staves, it'll seal back up. There is no way it won't. And I don't know as as far as I've gone, um, th- I've come across some barrels that took me several days of the filling with water to to get them to swell. Uh, but that's about it, and they they all end up eventually swelling. Um, so it's not if it can be swelled and shut shut, but when. Um, it can be difficult initially because there's like daylight through the staves and it's hard to hold any water in it. Uh, so if you have like a, a large, uh, bin or something like that, you know, you could fill with water and just float it in there. That'll help the swelling process as well. And you can spray. Seems the like inside. there's a whole, whole bunch of life changing metaphors buried in here somewhere, but <laughs> <laughs> you like barrel swelling. <laughs> it, it seems it seems like there's there's some potential there. Yeah, you like you like gladiator movies. <laughs> Have you ever been in a locker room with a grown man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I, the you bring up a good point, Daniel, because um, in the case of August Shell, I mean, they had to you know recondition those mm-hmm. those spruce fooders. They had been dry for you know. I don't know, 20 years or more. Right, right. And they are bring them back. So Yeah, they got them back and, and working. Um, 
So, I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> ever seen a grown man naked? You like gladiator movies? Life changing. So, one of the th- questions is always uh, do I use cold or hot water? Well, it depends on one how fast you want it to swell, uh, and, and you know, all of us are impatient, like fast swelling. You know, we want we want our our wood swelling as quick as possible, and uh, because we want to put beer in it. Uh, it depends on the condition of the barrel now, and what kind of flavor extraction is going to happen. So people worry about flavor extraction, and a lot of this applies to, like I said earlier, uh, new oak, uh, where you want to get those new oak flavors. Um, you're looking for intense oakiness. Uh, then you might want to avoid using hot water. You get a brand new wine barrel that's properly toasted and never used. You fill it with hot water. Well, you're going to extract a lot of that that oak that you wanted to get into your wine. So you need to be careful there. If it's a used wine barrel where it's it's gone neutral, meaning there's no oak character left, you can use as hot a water as you want. It will um, maybe extract some of the stuff out, but you're, you're not. You're, that's not what you're looking for in oak aging a, a sour beer. You're not looking for oak character, so um, it's fine to use hot water in that case. Just you need to be extremely careful when working with hot water. Uh, because it is deadly. Um, you know, we we have a tank of uh, hot water, you know, at 185 degrees Fahrenheit, and if you get that on yourself, you will be burned and uh, seriously injured. So you need to be real careful working with those kinds of things, uh, filling the barrel. But once you fill it with hot water, you know, you can let it sit. It'll it'll drain. That's fine. You just keep keep topping it up. Uh, spray some on the outside. Um, it will it will uh, eventually seal up. Um, I would exchange the water, you know, every three days. You know, I wouldn't let it leave it in there long period of time because uh, you could get start getting some molds. So you need to be careful about that. One of the things I like about using hot water is um, it pasteurizes the the wood. Um, you know, the, if you fill a barrel with 185 degree water, the outside of the barrel gets hot to the touch. I mean, quite hot. And any organism that's in that wood, and that wood is, you know, uh, gone to, uh, you know, 160 plus degrees Fahrenheit, it's uh, pasteurized the the yeah. wood. Now, there's spore forming organisms that you're not going to get rid of, but in general, anything you need to worry about has been killed off by you know the heat. So that's one of the things I like uh, doing that. So about 70 degrees uh, C uh, is pasteurization temperature. So uh, even when we have uh, the culture that we like, we will uh, you know kill it off with hot water and then we'll refill with you know fresh culture. A um, couple of tips: wet the outsides. Um, that that also helps uh, with the uh, uh, swelling, uh, sealing up little, little leaks and you know, air air leaks. Uh, stack them in racks, uh, and then you can the ones that are leaking above leak onto the ones below, 
<laughs> believe it or not, the the bungs where all the water coming out of the ones at the top and it kind of gathers around the, the barrel and the lowest point before it drips is right above the bung on that one below it. And so the water comes out of that one and goes into the next one. And so I've done, you know, three high, four high stacks and fill the one at the top and the water just travels down and you just keep filling the one at the top and uh, it works surprisingly well. Um, uh, wet the heads and uh, one of my, my tricks is when you're looking at barrels and if you're looking at barrels that have dried out, the staves, the part on the, on the outside body of the, the barrel, a lot of times they'll shift and some of them will be set in a little bit and some are sticking out and you'll see like a maybe an eighth of an inch or a quarter inch difference on the on the edges those edges are all supposed to perfectly line up when the barrel was made those things were right with each other and there was no gap like that or no height difference between those items they were flush they were flush yes and one of the things i like to do is take a dead blow hammer one of those shot hammers you can get them for a couple of bucks at harbor freight and tap the the staves and drive the ones that are sticking out drive them in and that kind of will tend to pull back out the ones that are are recessed and if you do that all the way around the barrel and you get them all even again your chances of of swelling this thing shut have just you know tripled you're you're gonna you're gonna have a much easier time of it and uh you'll you'll have a much better barrel from that um you can tighten the hoops get yourself a hoop driver you can do it with a screwdriver you know just a block of steel or something like that but they have specialized hoop drivers that make it really easy to tighten the hoops again you don't you want to adjust these staves in and out before you tighten the hoops because if you tighten them a lot and then try and adjust these it doesn't take oh yeah they're not so going to move very well yeah, yeah. Um, so you want to uh, adjust this you can kind of over tighten the hoops and then kind of make the ends not not as tight so you want to kind of be careful about that uh never never fill a barrel with beer or spirits or wine or anything until you're absolutely certain it's sealed you need to be able to fill it with water let it sit and see that there's no dripping coming out of it if you fill it uh without sealing it you're going to lose all your product especially on spirits because they tend to be thinner um they they will just come squirting out of there and you'll just have lost all your your hard work uh, there's barrel wax um you know generally when they get the heads and stuff like that they'll put it around the head and then they'll put the head in and they'll use barrel wax on that you can try stuffing some barrel wax on some some leaks but it generally does not work uh, you generally have to take the barrel apart uh, put the wax on the, the part and then put the part back together and then that'll help with some minor minor leaks but trying to use barrel wax after something's filled with liquid eh, tends to tends to suck what yeah i've got a question um one one bit of advice i had heard um was uh with regard to wetting the heads mm-hmm. um you know if the if you get you get you've obtained a fair you know a barrel and it's dirty you know mm-hmm. on the outside, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I've heard that uh, you want to be careful about 
you know, spraying the barrel and, and uh, pouring water on the, on the, what do you call on the head and leaving water sitting there because uh, depend you could get dirty water, you know, with mold and so on kind of dripping into the ins- inside of the barrel. Right. Um, which could be a contamination issue later on. Sure. So maybe uh, one caveat to all this is maybe clean the barrel thoroughly on the outside. Yes. Uh, when you first receive it before you start you know, wetting right. it and so on. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, barrels can have mold on them. Uh, you know, you can scrape it off, blast off with hot water. Uh, a lot of the, the spirits barrels, they have literal dirt and moss on them. I mean, they sit out in essentially a field for 10 years and they, they're just got so much crap on them. They, they don't, they don't, they don't put them over like concrete floors. It's all dirt. They, they erect a barn over some patch of dirt and fill it with thousands of barrels. That's how the spirits <laughs> guys do it. Um, so you'll, you'll see literal dirt on these things. Um, so yeah, that's a good ch- tip, John, is, uh, you know, clean your barrel. Uh, before you start uh, messing around with it, because you could um, send water in there, or, you know, some nasty stuff in there. Um, another issue is um, beetle holes. So there's a beetle borer that goes towards any sort of barrel, wine barrels, spirits barrels, whatever they are. You have wood barrels. They come in out of the fields around May through July. Um, when it starts getting hot, they they find like open doors and they'll come into your building they'll bore hole in they'll lay a little larva and then eventually you know beer spirits come spraying out you'll see little piles of sawdust on the rim of the barrel uh, near the head it'll just it'll be all collected little piles of sawdust and you'll see a hole well that's where the beetle went uh what diameter hole are we talking about half inch no it's about uh maybe a sixteenth Oh, okay. So small good, beetles. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good size hole, but it's a sixteenth mm-hmm. of an inch, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. And um, uh, they will bore into uh, <laughs> the liquid, and the liquid will start coming out. The liquid kills them, but yeah, uh, they don't. It's, it's too late. You know, now you got a hole in your barrel, and they have uh, little spiles, barrel spiles that you can take and uh, hammer them into the hole. And you can cut them off, um, you know, flush so you don't see those if you want. But um, it's best to just keep keep your barrels indoors away from, uh, you know, these these uh, these beetles. Uh, and, again, they're only there a certain time of year, but they will drill these holes, and uh, they can cause great tragedy. You could have a spirits barrel filled with $20,000 worth of uh, spirits, and then they bore a little hole, and you come in the next day, and it's all on the ground. So uh, got to be very careful of that. All right, let's take a, another short break, and when we come back, we're going to get into uh, barrel cleaning, because uh, that's probably tops of a lot of people's list right after this. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Uh, we were going to talk about barrel cleaning. So, uh, 
John had mentioned cleaning the outside. One of the ways to do that is uh, scrub brush and water. Um, you can use some uh, of a solution of uh, sodium carbonate, uh, maybe uh, you know citric acid to clean off the outside. Just make sure whatever you use is food grade. Uh, that way, you're not uh, introducing anything you know that's going to hurt you into into the barrel. And a good scrub brush, uh, deck brush, whatever, uh, and just go to town on it. You can you can be nice and aggressive on it. It's not going to really hurt it. Uh, you know, a lot of those barrels. You ever use are, power washers? You can use power washer, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you're concerned about you know pushing anything in, uh, you know that could be maybe a little bit more of an issue. But um, you can power wash it. You, you'd be surprised at how much uh, of the color of the barrel will go away and make it a, a lighter barrel. Um, uh, the outside wood, the, the gray, and all that will will lighten up considerably. Um, for the inside, uh, you know, generally a hot water clean is all that's that's necessary. Uh, what we use at Heretic is we have a, a barrel washer tool. It's essentially uh, a rotating uh, spray head that is on the end of a stainless uh, pole that we put underneath. We the, with the bung facing down, we slip this in and uh, we fire up a like a five horsepower pump. And it just blasts the inside with a strong spray of, of water. And it'll remove any fruit, any yeast from your previous batch, um, you know, it, it, proteins, things like that. It'll, it'll really uh, uh, scour the inside. And that's, that's, I think, you know, the best method to use uh, for, for cleaning a barrel. Uh, there are commercial barrel washer units that you can put barrels on that'll do it, you know, but uh, I'm assuming nobody wants to, to do that. Um, and if you don't have the money for, you know, one of these uh, stainless steel fancy uh, uh, spinning rotating washers, they actually make like plastic garden variety kind that work off of. Uh, uh, you know, a garden hose pressure off to maybe like 60 to 80 PSI. And they do a surprisingly good job considering, um, you know, how much you pay for them and, uh, uh, you know, what, what, what pressure you're using. So um, you might, might try getting one of those. Um, if you find yourself with a moldy barrel, generally, I say when you're, when you're picking up barrels, um, Almost any barrel is, you know, can be made to hold liquid again, and and you know, even if they got the beetle holes and all that. But, um, you know, mold, eh, you can you can clean up mold. I've I've gotten some moldy barrels in the past, and um, the f- the first way to do it is to blast the mold off with with a with a washer. You could do pressure washing. The problem is, you would need an angled tip to kind of get the side towards the hole um but you could get kind of the other areas with a pressure washer i was thinking um but the i mean uh, i would imagine a lot of barrels look moldy when you first get them depending on you know, how well they were treated right um the inside if you smell mold or see any patches of uh white or black or pink or green or anything like that um definitely can be mold uh there's there's some white mineral deposits that'll that'll occur that uh are not necessarily mold they're just a uh, you know uh accretion of calcium or whatever it is um 
so you uh, you, know, you blast out what you can with the water, and then um, you're going to fill it with uh, uh, two grams of sodium carbonate per liter of barrel volume. So if it's a 200 liter barrel, you're going to fill it with 400 grams of sodium carbonate. Then you fill it up with cold water, let that thing soak overnight. And then you'll drain it and refill it with one gram of citric acid per liter of barrel volume. So if it's um, a 200 liter barrel, you're going to use 200 grams of citric acid. You're going to soak, fill that uh, up with water, cold water, let that soak overnight. Then you're going to Empty it out and rinse it nice and thoroughly. And that should uh, kill uh, the molds and clean out the interior of the barrel. Um, I generally didn't like to do it uh, unless I had to. One, because, you know, the cost of the cams and the extra labor. Um, but uh, if you have mold, uh, that's, that's the way to correct it. If you take good care of your barrel, um, you won't uh, run into a mold issue. Um, now, where do you source these chemicals from? Do you get them off Amazon, or you get them from the you can get them from Amazon Home Depot? Uh, I've I've gotten them from More Beer. Um, okay. They sell all that. Any any wine making shop generally has these because okay. it's not uncommon, and you know people will treat these just as a you know prophylactic uh, measure, you know, just to make sure that they're not. Um, uh, going to experience any mold? Uh, well, you you pour in you pour in enough to fill a condom. What do you mean? <laughs> well, if your condom it will hold four hundred grams of uh, <laughs> of dry material, that's quite a bit. Uh, you know, they anyhow, stretch. They stretch. They stretch. That that and starting with such a large size condom, I think uh, you're probably good. Yeah, here you mm-hmm. are. Um, and then. You know, we're we're talking about uh, you know barrel storage. Um, I, I think it's best you know to not buy barrels until you're ready to fill them, and then you know the the minute you get them if they're in good shape, you know, go ahead and fill them. Don't dilly dally. Don't sit around with dry barrels. Um, if you have um, uh, you know a barrel that you've emptied. Get ready to fill that thing immediately. You know, before you empty it, get ready to fill it. So you're constantly working that barrel. And then the barrel stays in its best shape it's ever going to stay in. Uh, they, they do better full of liquid. Um, and the kind of liquid that doesn't, doesn't go bad necessarily. Uh, but if you're going to uh, dry store, like I said, avoid it if at all possible. Um, you can burn sulfur uh, in, in a dry barrel. Uh, you can use a, a third of a stick uh, for for a typical wine barrel, and then you're going to have to do that like every six weeks. So for that, you're going to use um, uh, um, uh, a sulfur burning. They have sulfur burning little baskets. They have uh, little plugs that go in it. Again, all these wine supply stores will have this, and what okay. it does is you know essentially. Uh, chase out the oxygen and provide a uh, you know, almost like a can Camden tablet approach to preserving the the uh, inside of that barrel. Do you have to rinse the sulfur out before you use it then, or no? Oh, generally you want to, yeah. 
Anytime okay. a, a barrel's been sulfur treated, some of these big wineries, they will have um, uh, sulfur uh, uh, generators that they will use to, to fill the barrels, and then they'll bung them, and that's how they'll store them. Uh, so you, you want to give it a rinse. You can also store it wet, and the advantage of storing it wet is it's not going to dry out on you and then have to be resealed. So uh, the the problem with it is it makes it much harder to move them. You know, they're heavier. But you can make a storage so- solution up of uh, one gram of citric acid and two grams of SO2 uh, per liter of barrel volume. You mix it with water and fill the barrel. Um, you're going to get fumes coming off of this, so you don't want to inhale it. Um, and uh, this will last a lot longer than the the strips but it is going to take out some flavor so again if you're working with um uh you know new oak or something like that where you want that wood flavor then you know you might think twice about doing it this way uh again the the best advice is to keep that keep thing them wet. full yeah all right let's take our last break we'll uh be back shortly and we will wrap up with uh, bung types I know you like to talk about the bungs, John. We'll be (laughs) back right after this. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. Let's just quickly go over bung types. Uh, We'll call it a show. Uh, so, you know, there's the hole in the in the barrel, and the thing that goes in there is called the bung. And I generally like to spend uh, money on quality bungs. You could use whatever to stick in there, and I've seen everything from Dixie cups to uh, you know uh, pieces of wood or Dixie. cloth or. Yeah, um, a, a common uh, practice on uh, wine barrels is um, when they're empty and dry and they just want to store them, they'll just insert a Dixie cup, a wax Dixie cup, into the bung. And it'll you know pretty much keep everything out. And, and it fits? It, it just kind of fits for that purpose? Yeah, it's tapered? Yeah. Right. That's oh, smart. Yeah. 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 So uh, I've seen a lot of Dixie cups. Um, yeah, styrofoam cups stuff too. But you know, a high quality bong is maybe. I mean, if you uh, if you buy them in bulk, even they're they're maybe like six bucks, in the you know five to eight dollar range for a high quality silicone bong. Um, you know, I like it because it's sanitary. Uh, you can get them in all different kinds of configurations too. Um, but I don't like solid bungs that just, especially when you're working with beer, uh, because you know, if, especially if you are expecting the the bread and bacteria to do something, you have some activity there that will pop the the bung off. Uh, so, uh, what I like is there's a uh, a open close bung. Where it's got a little uh, piece in the middle that you can lift up, and uh, it's vented, you know, or not yeah. vented, but pressure relief. Yeah, it, it's it'll it'll push out and and allow gas to vent, and then you, or you can force the the button down in flat, and it's sealed. Uh, so 
those I, I like a lot. And they have lockable bungs. They have uh, breathable bungs. They have a, a bunch of different kind of varieties. Uh, you know, and use what you like. I, I would just keep in mind that the pressure can build up in the barrel or uh, the temperature can go down over the course of a year if you, you live in a climate that gets pretty cold and the liquid will shrink and it can pull the bung in if it doesn't have a, a way to relieve uh, that, that suction. You just want to be a little bit careful. Uh, for spirits, it's real common for them to use uh, wood bungs, and uh, those are fine. They're less expensive, but um, the thing is you hammer them in, and you're not taking those in and out, in and out. You know, If you want to sample or you want to you know, check on your beer or check on your spirits, they're, they do use these for, you know, where they go and uh, – they hammer them in, and then you know they're they're not checking on all of these for you know five ten years. They'll check them you know sporadically, but they don't do a whole lot of checking. So those wood wood bungs, eh? I'm I'm not a big fan of them. They're hard to get out. Um, sometimes you have to if you find wood bungs that stick above the the edge of the barrel, you can tap it on the sides keep just tapping it going around the sides tap 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 gently tapping it and pulling on it and eventually it'll it'll loosen up and it'll come free uh if you find sometimes there's ones that are hammered in that are flush or below the the level of the outer wood of the barrel the only way to really get that out is you you drive in a really coarse threaded screw uh like a you know like a deck screw or something like that and then um, use a pair of uh, channel locks on it and lift up on it or tap up on the on the pair of vice grips uh, latched onto the, the screw. And so you can get it out that way. Um, you just want to be careful about not driving it into the barrel or breaking it up. So uh, that's bungs. Bungs, okay. Well, All right. kind of <laughs> there's, there's a great joke that I just couldn't work in. You know what's what's brown and sounds like a bell. What? There you go. All right. Um, well, a big contribution I, for today. I'm sure John Blickman would be very proud of that, and this is why he <laughs> pays for the show is for quality like that. You know, it's no doubting. All right, that's right. Uh, I've never been up in a plane before. <laughs> Have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> Do you like gladiator movies? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, that's it. That's the show. Um, if you're listening live, stay tuned. We will have uh, we'll continue. Barrel number four. Episode four, we will finish off our series on uh, practical barrel stuff. And uh, if you're listening uh, uh, from the downloads, it's going to be another couple of weeks, and you should, you should be, see that one available as well. In the meantime, take a moment to uh, send an email off to uh, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell Mr. Blickman how much you appreciate that he pays for the show. And, uh, you know, make sure you've uh, got an AHA membership or renew your AHA membership uh, at TheBrewingNetwork.com. Look on the left-hand side for the AHA logo. Click that. uh, Renew. And use the promo code uh, BN2018. Yeah, BN 2018. 2018. 
or something approximating that. Uh, I'm sure Rem- one of them worked. Remember, work backwards, work backwards. But, but don't go be- below your birth year. Yeah, yeah, you probably you probably stop then. All right, everybody. <laughs> Till then, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone.